Bucks. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Hey there, welcome to the program. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Just like the Packers, we're giving Zach a bye week, but we still have a great program for you, including plenty on what should be an amazing matchup. Rodgers versus Brady, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. The betting line on this one has been trending the Packers way ever since it opened at Bucks minus three, which I would advise jumping on that number immediately from the Packers side. As I've said on previous episodes of this podcast, no quarterback has looked as comfortable in opposing stadiums with minimal crowd noise as Aaron Rodgers has. Not surprisingly, this line is since flipped favoring the Packers by one point. We'll have more sports betting advice later in the program from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire, fantasy football picks of the week from our friends over at thehuddle.com, and we'll do five questions from around the league with Raiders Wire editor Marcus Mosier. Make sure you stick around for that. But first, I spoke with Luke Easterling of the Bucks Wire on a matchup we football fans should all be savoring. I'm not sure how many more of these Brady Rogers matchups we're going to get. Here's my conversation with Luke recorded earlier today. You tweeted, Luke, that you're not sure the Bucks are ready for this. What's your top take on it? Yeah, I think that's what I believe is that this team is not ready. Even if they're they're back to full strength, that could have a big impact on it. And obviously, you know, like I said, it's a week, it's a one week league. We got to remember that Josh Freeman wearing the creamsicle throwbacks beat Aaron Rodgers uh, with an epic fourth quarter comeback. I think it was in 2010. So anything can happen. Let's be honest. But you know, when I look at where this Bucks team has the chance to struggle the most. It's the fact that they have a very young secondary against one of the most savvy veteran quarterbacks there is in terms of making checks and putting people in positions to to create mismatches and making just ridiculous, ungodly throws in places where defenders just can't get to them. That's not a great matchup for the Bucs. They've got great athletes and they've got great potential in that secondary, I think, but it's just a lot of young guys that are still learning the ropes and a quarterback who has to be looking forward to that matchup and the opportunity to kind of pick those guys apart. And also, you got a running game that's averaging 150 yards on the ground per game going up against, yes, one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL hasn't given up more than 50 yards uh, on the ground yet this season. But man, big number 50 is missing. He's going to be missing for the rest of the year. And everybody loves Nacho. Uh, that's what they call Raheem Nunez Rochas, who's going to be taking most of the snaps for Vita there in the middle. But man, he's just not the same guy. Vita Vea, again, maybe the best nose tackle in the game, 6'4, 330 plus just literally a massive loss for this defense. And when you look at what the Packers are able to do and how they're able to keep that offense balanced, I don't know if it'll matter if the Bucks offense looks better this week. I don't know if, you know, once they get everybody healthy and they can kind of stay in a shootout uh, maybe a little longer than they would have the, these last few weeks, that that's possible. But, man, I feel like the Bucks are going to have to score a lot of points because the Packers just match up really, really well on defense. I think Aaron Rodgers has only faced Todd Bowles once uh, in terms of his defense, and he carved him up pretty bad. You know, Maybe he's got some, some new things up his sleeve, but a young secondary versus Aaron Rodgers, a really great rushing attack against a defense that's been good against the run but is missing the most important piece to that in their big nose tackle. It's just it's really tough to look at this and see a Tampa Bay win on paper. Do you think the points are on the wrong side, Luke? Do you, would, do you think the Packers should be the, the team favored by a point, maybe a point? Point and a half, two points coming in. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no. I think I, I when I saw that first early line, I retweeted and was just laughing. I yeah, was just like, yeah, yeah. "How can you look side. at the way the Packers are playing, the way the Bucks played on Thursday night, and the injuries that they've sustained, and say?" 
that the Bucks are the team that are most likely to win this game. I agree with you. I think we're going to see the line move to the Packers by the time the game rolls around Sunday afternoon, uh, and with good reason, because I, I just think the smart money's on the Packers here. If the Bucks win this, it's going to be, again, one of those moments where you just have to chalk it up to the fact that you never know what's going to happen in this league. Yeah, we, we've seen it before. We've seen one team just look dreadful, the other team look great, and then the next week comes, and it's like the opposite, the polar opposite in the NFL. So you really, you never know. We, we could see the Bucks come out and be gangbusters in this one. Absolutely, man. That's, again, that that's why you play the games. That's why it's the, it's the weekly version of why all the Super Bowl hype about a team like the Bucks. you have to take it with a grain of salt in the offseason because every team that's ever won the offseason championship rarely, if ever, wins the actual one. So, you know, you we can say all day long what the Bucks team is capable of, but they got to execute. They didn't do that Thursday night. They got beat, in my opinion, by a team that's not as good as them in the Chicago Bears. This week, obviously, I think the Packers are the better team, but you still have to execute. You still have to do your job. And if the Packers don't do that and leave the door open, the Bucks are talented enough to take advantage. All right, look, I always appreciate the insight. Hey, keep an eye on Brady for me. Let me know if he's still going senile. All right, I'm worried about him over there in Tampa. We're doing our best, man. But I, I think that, you know, I think the meme really showed us that he's he, he's still got it. He, he still understands. He just, he just wasn't ready, I think, to admit it to everybody that he just forgot, man. We all have those moments, Tom. It's okay. 100%. Hey, man. Hey, have a great week. All right. Hey, you too, Ryan. Take care. Stay tuned right here for your fantasy picks of the week with Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com. And then I'll be back with Marcus Mosier of the Raiders Wire with five questions from around the NFL. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 6. Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga-Vailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Phillip Rivers, Brett Rippon. Not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch, and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may appear to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers have scored a touchdown, and eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. It was actually tight end Irv Smith Jr. and not Rudolph who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Marcus. So I know you're a big Cowboys fan. Uh, the weight of that moment when Dak broke his ankle was felt by any fan who was watching. It was just super heavy listening to Tony Romo commentate on it 
the fact that Jason Garrett was standing there too, it was just so, so freaking heavy. And then watching him get carted off with tears in his eyes, it was just, it just stops you in your tracks, right? I mean, it's just, it was horrible. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many different angles we could look at this. And I know a lot of people are looking at it from the contract standpoint of, you know, the Cowboys not getting a long-term deal done with him this off season. Uh, but there's so many other things to talk about and why it's, it's such a tough injury. Prescott had a really rough off season. Uh, he, he lost one of his brothers. He was battling some depression and he, he talked about uh, mental illness and being able to overcome that. So to go out and start to dominate in the first four and a half games of the season and put up record numbers and then to get hurt early in the season. And, you know, now he's got to have a four, six, eight month rehab. Uh, it, it's just, it just, I mean, it's 2020 sucks, man. It I does. think that's what we all can no say. Doubt. 2020 is just the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst. And, uh, you know, to your point, as you as you alluded to, that was where, you know, obviously we're going to be throwing some questions at Marcus here in this segment. And that was my question. Like, if you're Dak now, right, you're going to you, obviously he's got access to, you know, the best health care in the you're going to get. So he's I expect him to come back. I know what kind of person he is and, and I know the drive he has. I, I would expect him to come back from this. Right. Absolutely. So, so when, da- when Dak comes back, here's the question. When Dak comes back. Would you work with Dallas on an extension again, try to revisit those contract negotiations after the season, or would you force them to put the boosted franchise tag number on you or go to market? What do you, what would you do if you're in Dak's shoes here? Yeah, I think what's ultimately going to happen is I do think they're going to put that franchise tag on them just as a placeholder. And then they're going to use the next couple months to ultimately get a long-term deal done. I think the thing that gets lost here is, Dak Prescott wants to be in Dallas. I mean, he loves the Cowboys. He grew up as a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, this system is perfect for him. He's got a head coach and offense coordinator that are designing the perfect offense to to get him uh, to be productive. Uh, they've got a ton of talent at a wide receiver. They're going to play in national TV games nearly every week. And the Cowboys want him here as well. So I do think long-term, something is going to get done. It didn't get done this offseason because Dak wanted to bet on himself. And I think in some ways he was right. Look at the numbers he would have put up this season or that he was putting up before the injury. 6,000 passing yards. Exactly. Right. He knew the kind of season he was going to have. And I think, I mean, even though it was only four, again, four and a half games, we know what kind of quarterback Dak is. They'll pay him. He'll be in Dallas for long term. I have no questions about that. All right. So here's a super hypothetical. So in, in a crazy world where maybe the Cowboys aren't feeling putting that huge franchise tag on Dak and he does somehow get to free agency. Right. And you're mm-hmm. the Raiders. You're the Vegas Raiders. Ooh. 2021 NFL free agent class. And you're looking at it and you have a healed up Dak Prescott. You have a rejuvenated Cam Newton on the market and you have a spurned Jimmy Garoppolo, who the who Kyle Shanahan has kicked out of San Francisco. Are you going all in on one of these guys, or are you saying, look what Derek Carr just did against the Kansas City Chiefs. He wants to be here. He wants to be the face of the franchise. We're going to stay with Derek Carr. Like, What would your mindset be in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think Derek Carr is having a fantastic season. I think this could arguably be the best of his career. But you go get Dak Prescott if he's available. <laughs> I, I mean, I he's, he's just a better quarterback. You mentioned a team, though, I actually think is a better fit for, for Dak than, than the Raiders. And I think it's the 49ers, right? If Jimmy Garoppolo is done, if he's done and they decide to move on, can you imagine Prescott in that Kyle Shanahan offense with all the bootlegs and all the rollouts? Nope. Uh, It'd be scary. It, it, it would be terrifying. I, I I hope for the rest of the NFC that that doesn't happen because uh, they would be legit Super Bowl contenders once again, real, real fast. 
Maybe it would all work out. You know, Dak goes to the Niners. Maybe Cam Newton goes to the Cowboys. And Jimmy G comes home to Belichick. A little quarterback carousel right there, right? That'd be fun. Who knows? Who knows? No. But I think Dak's going to end up in Dallas because, just an aside, the Cowboys can't go and sign another quarterback and let Dak go after all this. They just won't. The optics of that would be terrible. And the thing is, the team would almost revolt around them. You saw the way that they, they, yeah, and not only just the Cowboys, but the NFL, they just love Dak. Uh, You see how easily um, he is to root for. Uh, So, yeah, they're they're not, there's no way they're going to let Dak ever hit free agency. It's just not going to happen. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, this is looking like a ridiculous wide receiver draft class, this 2020 Mm. draft class, right? Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. C.D. Lamb is a freaking superstar over in Dallas. Oh, my God. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. Jerry Judy in Denver. Brandon Ayuk in San Fran. T. Higgins in Cincy. Ruggs. Like, we could go down the list. I mean, this is a loaded uh, rookie class. Mm -hmm. If we were to, like, get a time machine and go ahead into the future five years, like, who do you think when we redraft this group, who do you think is going to be the guy in five years that we're looking at as, like, maybe the next DK Metcalf, like, the guy that just stands alone above the group and we're like, wow, that's the guy. If we could redraft these guys, this would be number one. Yeah, I still think it's CeeDee Lamb, and I think that should have been the, the number one pick, you know, or the top receiver drafted in April's draft. I just think his combination of size, speed, and toughness, you saw on Sunday, him being able to go down the seams, make an incredible athletic catch, and then get drilled and pop right back up. It's, it's just what makes him such a, a special player. I do want to mention Chase Claypool, who, you know, was a second-round yes. pick in this class. Yes, I should have, I should have included him after yeah, that game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we talk, want to talk about DK Metcalf. This is a guy that has very similar similar size and athleticism, you know, at six foot four, 230 pounds, uh, ran, I believe a four, four, one at the NFL combine. Uh, you put him in an offense with Juju Smith Schuster and Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think the, the Steelers are just figuring out how to use a guy uh, of his, you know, skill set. very reminiscent of another former Steeler receiver, Martavis Bryant. You know, that's a guy that Pittsburgh figured out how to use, you know, in the screen game down the field. Would not be surprised if uh, he leads Pittsburgh in all receiving categories as soon as this year. I mean, he's going to be an absolute star. Maybe the only team that can rival the Cowboys with their wide receiver group is the Steelers. They just, man, they just reload, reload, reload. Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. So, all right, this is fun. I'm having a good time with this segment. Uh, We're going to pick it up here coming up. First, here's some sports betting advice from the Sportsbook Wire. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 6 Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams, minus 3.5 favorites on the road. 49ers, plus 160 underdogs on the money line. A low over-under for this one of 50.5 points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams. And three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what? I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in week five. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington and football team check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from betmgm sportsbook subscribe to bet slip and podcast be sure to rate and review 
Okay, Marcus, the Raiders come out of their bye week with the following schedule. Home versus Brady and the Bucks, On the road against a much-improved Browns team. And then at the Chargers against this young stud, Justin Herbert, right? Mm. Then they're at home against the Broncos before the Chiefs come to town in Week 11. Do you think the Raiders are still above 500 when they play the Chiefs again? And will they ultimately be an AFC playoff team in 2020? I do think they will be. You look even right. after that schedule. They've got they've got a you know pretty soft schedule with the Falcons and the Jets and then the Broncos and Chargers twice. It, you look at the early season schedule here with some of the games they've played. We either were thinking if they could get out of there two and three, they'd give themselves a great chance of making the playoffs. Uh, now sitting at three and two at the bye week, you know as great as Tom Brady has been. He's starting to look his age a little bit there in Tampa Bay. Cleveland will be an interesting matchup because of what they can do on the ground. But I, I just think this Raiders team is going to be good enough to get to nine wins. Sounds about right. Nine, nine and seven, maybe 10 and six. And that should be good enough for a wild card spot. Hey, I, I caught that little dig at Brady. I, I heard that, Marcus. <laughs> Easy there. Yeah, that's Tampa Bay's fault. What are they doing to my quarterback? What are oh, they doing to my guy? Man, that, that's a whole, we can do it 20 minutes on that. I mean, next I week. Don't know. We'll have time to fill next week coming off the bye. We'll do it next week. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah. Let's, let's save it for next week. Maybe things will change this week. 100%. Raiders are playing the Bucks next week, so we'll have plenty to talk about there. Question five with Marcus. Here we go. The NBA built a bubble at Disney World and got all the way through the playoffs, culminating with your guy LeBron's fourth title in the <laughs> Lakers' 17th championship all-time. Kamish Adam Silver is getting all the love in the world. It's well-deserved. Marcus, what should the NFL have done while preparing to play a 16-game season in playoffs during the pandemic? Did they get it wrong? Yeah, first of all, LeBron is a go. Please do not at me on Twitter. We don't even have to have a conversation. I'm anymore. a LeBron guy, uh, too. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's so difficult because I know a lot of people were saying that the NFL should have done a bubble, but the sheer number compared to the NBA are just drastically different when you're talking about 53 man rosters and then 16 players on practice squads and all the coaching staffs. And it's not like in the NBA where for the most part, the 12 players in your team are the 12 players. We get tons of injuries. You know, the Cowboys are already on 65, 66 players on their active roster. It's just almost too many people to do an NFL or, you know, an NFL bubble. Yep. But maybe we have one for the postseason, right? If all these teams get to the playoffs and we have 14 teams in the playoffs, maybe you have one bubble in Dallas, one bubble in, I don't know, somewhere on the East Coast for the AFC, and you just try to keep those guys healthy for three, four weeks to get the playoffs done. But it, it's tough, man. I, I don't know if there's any you know good solution for the NFL, but uh, they're trying their best. They're trying to figure out ways to tweak the schedule around to make, get these games played. But I would not want that job of Roger Goodell trying to figured all this out no and then i can tell you waking up on a sunday morning and finding out your team isn't playing is just ridiculous <laughs> it's brutal and you we can't have that in the playoffs so i get what you're saying it's like power through the regular season figure it out if you got to keep changing the schedule every single freaking week we've got to keep playing on tuesday nights we'll just figure it out and do it but we got to figure out in the playoffs so we have to have a schedule and we got to stick to it yeah in the playoffs would be a little bit easier too right because you're yeah. only keeping some teams for a week 10 days or whatever, right? So you can get rid of 200 people every single week from the conference. So I do think that's plausible. I think the NFL is looking into it. I would not be surprised if that's ultimately the, the way they decided to do this. All right, man. That was fun. Thanks, Marcus. Enjoy the bye week, my man. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Much needed. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.